Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, the show where we take movies and particularly today, the entire body of work of a particular artiste and debate whether Rotten Tomatoes is wrong, according to the beloved tomato meter. Big, big news, everyone. I've been flying solo for a while now, and I got to do great films like Return of the Jedi and Top Gun. But now she's back. My wonderful co-host, Jacqueline Coley. The queen has returned. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I really appreciate it. Glad to be back. Much needed break, but glad to be back. You get some good R&R. What was the highlight of it? The highlight of it was... If you can say a video game. A video game? No, I did do stuff <laughs> while I was off, but I'm just trying to think of what the highlight of it was. The highlight of it was, honestly, waking up and playing uh, Don't Starve, because I did that a lot, and I became okay. obsessed with that game. Absolutely okay. obsessed. I like it. Uh, so Jacqueline, as, as you all know, is not only a co-host of this show, she covers movies, she goes to film festivals, she's on the award circuit. Me, I'm a full-time comedian and apparently a part-time video game salesman. According to Twitter, uh, my Twitter got hacked, everyone, so don't try to buy a PS5 from me. I'm not selling them. And I've had so many yeah. people text me, hey, do you still have any PS5s left? How dumb are my friends? I need to upgrade because a lot of my friends still think that I'm going to be selling them a PS5 for five bucks. I'm not. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not selling anybody a PS. If I was going to sell a video game system, it would be a Sega Genesis out of my trunk, not a PS5 on Twitter. Listen, though, I want to just say to any of Mark's friends who texted him, thank you, because it is the only the one time I've ever seen Mark like really question his life choices was mm, when he was mm, telling mm. me about all of his friends that were he literally said he's like, there's 50 percent of comedians doing a bit. The other 50 percent are people that I'm never asking for directions again. <laughs> I appreciate the first two texts that I got and be, because that alerted me that there's something wrong. And then the next 50 were fairly <laughs> unnecessary. I get it. And um, I just, I, I don't know where I'm going with my life anymore. We're working on getting my account back until that happens. Hopefully by the time this airs, if not sooner, one of the comedian friends that I have who did not text me yesterday because A, <laughs> he's super busy co-hosting shows like Boards in the Hood, which he also co-created, when he's not doing his many jobs at night, which range from professional wrestling to professional stand-up comedy. Jay Washington did not text me yesterday. And Jay, this is why you and I are so tight. Sometimes less is more 
particularly in a situation when your dear friend Mark gets hacked. How are you? I'm well. I also was like, yo, is Mark on hard times? Did he sell <laughs> PS5s? They say, you know what? It's not my cross to bear, not my struggle. I'm going to let this man just like, hey, man, I'm doing it for charity. I was like, nope, I'm going to let this sort itself out. And then it did because all of a sudden I saw Mark was hacked and I was like, sounds about right. Sounds mm-hmm. about right. Yeah. As if, as if us comedians weren't under literal attack enough this week, Jay. Now we got to deal with our Twitter getting hacked. So hey, man, we're going to talk I, we about We all aren't blessed to have 99,000 followers like you, sir. So. Yeah, well, this person that we're talking about today has, I think the last Instagram tally was like 30 or 35 million following mm, on I don't Instagram. don't disagree with that, yeah. And that would be the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So we've done this before a few different times, and it's always a hoot. We did we covered Nicolas Cage recently and all of his great films. So we're going to do that with Dwayne Johnson because like, there's a lot of great movies, there's a lot of does, but there's also those movies that sometimes we feel like the tomato meter got wrong, hence the name of the show, Rotten Tomatoes is wrong so by the numbers here's Dwayne the Rock Johnson's average when it comes to films he's got a 52% tomato meter average across all of his movies 23 rotten films 13 fresh from 2001 to 2015 he only had four fresh films so he's rebounded nicely recently his audience score average is 63% so that is fresh but when you talk about the rock you talk about franchise and box office Viagra to date over $12 billion in receipts with a per movie average of $353 million bucks. That is a lot. I could buy Twitter with that. Actually, I, I could at least buy some stock in Twitter with that money. Um, Jay, we're going to start with you here. The question that we always ask everyone is, you know, because you're a returning champion here, mm-hmm. what is your favorite Dwayne Johnson movie? And is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about it? I have two. I'm, I'm literally a toss-up. One is pain and gain. Okay. Because you watch him go through a ray of emotions and watch that man barbecue a foot. I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) While he was higher than that thing. Like, and he was doing it like it was nothing. And then be cool. Because of the way he played Elliot, it was amazing. It was like, it was a whole nother character on a whole nother level. And just the interactions with Vince Vaughn and everything else. The whole E-Weezy, you know, was just great. But I do think Rotten Tomatoes, Ronald, should have been rated a little bit higher. I believe those should have been rated higher. Those are both rotten movies. You picked nice round numbers because currently sitting at 50% on the tomato meter is your first film, Pain and Gain. Your other movie, Be Cool, very early in The Rock's acting career, 30%, according to tomatoes and so now let's see what Jacqueline Coley's favorite Dwayne Johnson movie is Jacqueline I have here in my notes that your answer is Baywatch why excuse me what <laughs> what <laughs> excuse me what? it I'm is like... not Baywatch everyone <laughs> uh I do love that you wanted to throw me that little curveball because I was like uh Lucy no she lied to you Welcome uh, back, I was like I was like I was on vacation and she just took whatever I sent her and was like mm-hmm. this sounds good no I'm kidding uh no my favorite movie is actually another early rock one uh, it actually is fresh too, both in audience and in critics. But my love for it is particular, and that's the Rundown. So the Rundown is a movie that came out in 2003. This is like literally the beginning of the Dwayne Rock Johnson transferring over from the WWE. Like he had done like I think two, maybe three movies before then, including like uh, How did I, Why did I get married too? 
which by the way, that is a great cameo that he has at the end of that. And then we never see him again, but he was in it. Uh, but I love the rundown because uh, for folks that don't know, my dad worked in the movie industry and he worked on that movie as a caterer slash driver. Oh, and right. that movie was filmed in Hawaii and I got to go out there for three days. So that was actually the one of the first movie sets I ever went to. And so that's why that particular movie has like a personal um, place in my heart. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because we're going to talk about another cameo that might be in the rundown that you and I are a big fan of. And so for me, I look at like my favorite Dwayne Johnson movies, and obviously you could put something like Moana way up there. That's 95% of the tomato meter. It's not a big argument about that. I think Fast Five, when he really solidified himself as franchise Viagra, but that movie's super fresh, 77%. I am going to go with the movie that I think is criminally underrated, and I think that there is a lot of hubbub, a lot of talk about this movie and how it's going to affect the industry as a whole, and that would be the Netflix film Red Notice at 36%. Uh, Rod Tomatoes is just wrong on this one. I had a ball watching this movie, and I rewatched it again, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Only 36%, but... The audience score, we got a man on fire situation because the audience score is 92%. And so I definitely side with the audience more than I do the tomato meter on this one. And so we're going to get into a deep dive talking about all three of four of these movies, but also some other fun Dwayne The Rock Johnson facts in there as well. Before we do any of that, we're now going to turn it over to the great Tim Ryan, our expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes. He's going to give us some critic commentary spanning the entirety of of The Rock's career. Tim, take it away. Two minutes with Tim. He may be one of Hollywood's most popular and bankable stars, but it's something of a surprise to say that determining the best-reviewed Dwayne Johnson movie is actually harder than it looks. If you're going by Tomato Meter with a large number of reviews, then the winner is Moana, in which he has the lead voice performance. It's certified fresh at 95% on the Tomato Meter. If you're going with a movie in which Dwayne Johnson appears in the flesh, that would be Fighting With My Family, which is certified fresh at 93%, although in this one he's playing himself. Next up is Furious 7, which is certified fresh at 82%, but although he's a major part of the franchise's success, the Furious films are more ensemble pieces than single star-driven vehicles, no pun intended. Therefore, if you are going by a film in which Dwayne Johnson is the lead and playing a fictional character in a live-action film, then the winner is Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, which is certified fresh at 76%. On the other side of the coin, the worst-reviewed Dwayne Johnson film is Baywatch, which is at 17%. So what do the critics have to say? In a fresh review for Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, Alex Flood of NME wrote, We defy you not to laugh every time The Rock lets loose his eyebrow-tastic signature look. Robin Williams would have been proud. However, in a rotten review for Baywatch, Anthony Lane of The New Yorker wrote, Thank heaven for Dwayne Johnson, whose foot-wide smile will not be switched off, and who saves the life of the movie. Whether it deserves to be saved is another matter. So that's a brief overview of the career of Dwayne Johnson. Let's kick it back to Jacqueline and Mark, who, in the world of podcasting, are the people's champions. Back to you, folks. Oh, well, I certainly smell that compliment. Thank you, Tim. That means a lot to us. And now... We are going to transition right into a movie talk. I have some particular work cut out for Jay because Jay's going to have to sell me on why Pain and Gain is uh, one of his favorite rock movies because th there is going to be some debate about that. I feel like we're all going to agree on the rundown and I might have to play some defense myself when I lobby for and not against Red Notice. But before any of that, Jay... The first time The Rock came on your radar, I imagine it was during his wrestling days. Mm. When he makes the transition from wrestling 
onto the big screen. Did you see any of this coming? Did you foresee a career where he would eventually one day be the biggest, not just action star, but the biggest star on the planet and on Hollywood screens? I didn't think he would ever be this big. I mean, you see the transition Hulk Hogan had made, and it was a big transition, right? But it wasn't massive. You've seen other wrestlers go into acting, and you're like, okay, cool, they have some star power. I don't think anybody could have predicted that Dwayne Johnson would break the Illuminati code, take the New World Order over, and become the biggest box office star in history. I don't think anybody could have predicted. Anybody that says they could have predicted that is pretty much a lie, straight up. Let's just be honest. Yeah, I mean, you, you can prognosticate future success for someone, Jacqueline, but Jay brings up Hulk Hogan. You think about Andre the Giant. When wrestlers were in film back in the day, it was more or less just playing a version of themselves. And I've heard that criticism lobbied before against The Rock, where he always just kind of shows up and he's The Rock. Do you still buy into that, or do you think that he's firmly established himself as somebody who has a range when it comes to acting? I mean, I don't know if he's established himself as someone that has a range. He has a range within his sandbox. I'll put it to you that way. Can he give you a comedic moment and then go kick somebody in the face? Sure. Can he, you know, really give you, I would say, very powerful, I'm coming to get this person thriller vibe? Sure. Am I going to be seeing him in a my left foot type situation? Not so much. So... Like, that's just the way I would put it. Like, everything is within his sandbox. But yeah, within that sandbox, that sandbox has expanded. Whether it's, I would definitely say early rock was straight action with dabbles of comedy. And that's the reason why I love the rundown is because I think that really showed his comedic chops outside of the WWE. When you get to something like Jumanji, he's perfected it. And when you look at those two films, you see the difference. One is action with comedy sprinkled in, in a very sort of Bruce Willis sly sort of way. And then by the time you get to something like Jumanji, I mean, the com the comedy of what he's doing, playing somebody like Alex Wolf mentally and looking like him, that's him stretching to me. Yeah, Jay, I, I feel like he has a lot more range than people give him credit for, especially now. And, and one of those movies, even though I'm not a fan of it, I think Pain and Gain did that because he had to be both dramatic and comedic at the same time. And one of the earlier, I guess it was a mid-career mid, you know, rock film was called Snitch. And that wasn't just a straight-up action movie. There was certainly action in it, but he had some like real dramatic scenes. And now, like Jacqueline intimated, there's a lot of laughs that Dwayne Johnson's capable of getting on a level with like, you know, another shredded hero that we think just about action movies with. But Chris Hemsworth can be very funny too. Mm -hmm. So let's get to pain and gain here. Let's get into this movie. Why is this movie so criminally, and I mean that with a pun intended, underrated for you? Not to mention just let's Dwayne Johnson aside. You got Mark Wahlberg just being Mark Wahlberg. You got <laughs> you got Anthony Mackie playing a former steroid user who's gone <laughs> impotent and he's upset about it like it's somebody else's fault. But him is but Dwayne Johnson is Paul Doyle plays a convict who tries to turn to Christ while still dealing with his drug addiction at the same time. He's conflicted on so many different levels and throughout all the stuff that Mark Wahlberg takes him through into the point where he kills the guy and he ends up cooking his foot and all that gets shot running from the police to go back to church later. You're like, wait, it's it's so much he does in just this movie. And so on top of everything else, like when you have when he's cooking the foot on the grill, when the super has to come up and says, 
remember, this is a true story. So yeah, right, remind right. you, it really happened. That's why this, I, this is the movie I can revisit. I'm like, I just need to watch something that just can't be real, but you're like, oh, it's real. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I think the true story element of it, though, Jacqueline, is kind of what threw me off because I felt like Michael Bay never, he was looking for a tone, like, and he never really got missile lock on what he was going for because there are these like crazy comedic segments but then there's also like an underlying touch of sadness because we know the that this is a true story we know that like real people were murdered and so just the way it has such a glee telling the story I don't know it just, it felt like it was a little uneven for me how do you see it oh definitely I think that was Michael Bay trying to because what was pain and gain what year was that uh, Pain and Gain was released in movie theaters oh, in yes. the great year 2013. of 2013. I think that was him trying to go into his uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang era. Mm, you know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. I really do. I, I I remember Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was two, early 2000s, like somewhere between like 2003, 2004, obviously before Iron Man. So it had to be early. And I feel this was part of that. I think it was him saying, like, it seems like these guys that confuse comedy into action or having a better go of it. Yeah, it was. it's this tragedy. So I guess, Jay, the question is not, because I know you have a very big heart, but like it's, it's, it's this very tough thing. It's a very narrow window you're trying to squeeze a story into when you're talking about a real tragedy and you're not making like a true crime documentary about it. You're, you're actually making what a lot of folks consider to be sort of a weird buddy cop action comedy through a funhouse mirror. Right. And then it's also Michael Bay. So there has to be explosions somewhere. Yeah. And <laughs> that turn, and that and that shot that shows the just circling around shot. It has to be there. But in the midst of all that, like I said, you get a story of somebody trying to make it. Another guy trying to get by on his life and another guy trying to change his life. And so when you see all those different elements play together, that's for me what resonates the most when you see them is sort of have to team up or then then they're at odds. And so I and guess so right. they're constantly bouncing back and forth. They're together, then they're apart. They can agree, then they disagree. They fight, they argue. The arguments, for me anyway, are the highlight of the movie. Like just watching him and, and Wahlberg and, and sometimes Mackie in there too, just sort of like trade barbs and just watch them fall in and out of friendship. I think that's the highlight of the movie for me. And, and I just have to remove myself from knowing I guess what ultimately went down between these characters. Dude, with the part when after Mark Wahlberg, Roy rages out and kills the guy with the weight 
And then yeah. literally looks over and says, I got to get a pump in. I got to get a pump in. And you got Dwayne Johnson like, yeah, yeah, do that, do that, do that. And then Mark Warburg is like, so what are we going to do? He's like, ain't no we to this. You killed him. Like, ain't no we. This is you. And then you got Mark Warburg like, wait, what? Huh? Like, yeah, this is you, sir. Like, you did that. I'm not going back to jail for you on this. Like, that's those beautiful things you get out of that movie. I got to get a pump. Yeah, take a moment. Listen, Danny, I know what it's like to think you killed somebody. And it hurts. I mean, you got Jesus and the devil swirling. That's it, get it. Jesus, devil swirling all up in your head. I was lucky because my guy lived. So you must really feel like shit. Just because, I, I feel like I have to ask you this, just because you are around wrestling and, and you're constantly working out in gyms, getting getting your pump on, have you ever seen somebody that you know, like a friend, and then they're a different person because of roid rage? I grew, yes, yes. I'll just say yes. I was going to start naming names, and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I mean, I've seen so many people in the pro wrestling industry that I've watched go from uh, people your size, Mark, which is a nice size, to Thank all you. of a sudden people Dwayne Johnson's size in six weeks. I was like, bro, your genetics ain't that good. Like, you know what I'm saying? The Lord <laughs> have, have not blessed your DNA like that. Why do you think this is a thing? And you see it, and you see the way the effects it has on them. You see the roid rage. All right, yeah, that happened. You see the roid rage, you see the anger, you see the aggression and all those things. So I've been around it. Jacqueline, I, I feel like 50%, I'm going to say that's fair for Pain Again. Do you have a strong feeling on this tomato meter score? Not really. Again, it's like with a Michael Bay movie outside of like a handful of them, um, I, I can't really think of any of them that I'm like, oh, I would feel very upset if I never, ever got to see this again. And this was definitely not that it for me. This movie was one of those movies where the only thing I remember about it, and no offense, Jay, I love you, but a lot of dudes with tribal tattoos in the mid 210s have been making their entire personality about that movie. And that's literally the only taste I have in my mouth about it 10 years later. And I'm not saying anything against you, Jay. Okay, because I didn't make that movie my life. I'm supposed to say, nope, I'll put my But do you have a tribal tattoo? Can we go to the next part of this question? Ah, no, see what had happened. See what had happened was <laughs> I was. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything, but I'm like, I stand by my my assertion. That's all I, I will say. I, you know, you know what? I don't want. I, you know what? I don't like the way this conversation is going right now. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I didn't mean to do this. I didn't mean to do this. It's only because we're friends. I would never do this to a first time guest. I know some people are like, is she really going this hard for him? It's only because I know Jay. Yeah. I also know he has that tattoo. And number three, like legitimately, Mark knows what I'm talking about. This was a no. bro move. Movie, pain and game. It was. It was a very yeah. bro movie. I'll admit yeah. that. It's a very bro dude. It's a very dude, dude, bro, bruh, bro. And the bro. movie I like is a very bro movie. The Rops filmography, let's be real, is very bro-y. So, you know, I'm not in any way. Like, my movie was that version. If, you know, it was like the hipster bro version. Because the yeah. rundown wasn't a huge, huge movie. But if yeah. you saw it, you would definitely make it your personality. Yeah, the difference between the rundown of Pain and Gain for me is that like people people looked at Pain and Gain and, and based their lives on trying to be those characters in the same way that they did Wall Street when it came out in the 80s, where it's like, oh, they didn't really realize that Gordon Gecko's the bad guy in the movie. They're like, I just want to look like that. And I think some of the same with the tribal tattoos or just constantly being in a gym and doing roids and bad things outside of the gym as well. Mm -hmm. I think the pain and gain did inspire some of that, but we can't always pin all of that on a movie. With the rundown, it just really made me 
want to have fun with The Rock and Sean William Scott. And yeah. so, Jacqueline, the, the floor is now yours to defend your movie. Even though it is fresh, you think it should be higher. Oh, absolutely. I think it should be higher. And you really kind of talked about it. And it is the chemistry between Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Sean William Scott. And and the broness of Sean William Scott is why this thing worked. That movie was perfect for its time frame. You guys, you have to remember, this was the American Pie era. This yep. was the Euro Trip era. And for a movie like that, it was still a film where I felt that it tried a little bit. Like it showed Sean William Scott for the privileged little crap that he is, you know? It also, I think, gave Dwayne The Rock Johnson a chance for him to really show himself for what he wanted to be, to be a legitimate, not just like a throw you in the movie action star, but a legitimate. I look at somebody like Florian Montanu from Creed and then also from Shang-Chi. Right now, that could have been all Dwayne The Rock Johnson was. And he made a conscious effort to turn himself into a movie star. And But where he was in the rundown was that point. And this was the movie that really, in my opinion, any Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie that you're looking at later and you're saying, this guy's a star, that was the movie that showed you exactly what he could do and all of the talents that he was cultivating to where, again, when you get to a movie like Jumanji, which was a huge hit, it's one of its highest rated movies, you see all of, like the seeds of it there and the passing of the torch of it there. And it's really funny and it's shot in Hawaii and it looks good. And Peter Berg is kind of a madman. And I would say that he also is somebody who the fun that he has on his sets, I think, translates on screen. Yeah, Peter Berg is another guy, Jay, who's like Michael Bay in that you 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 definitely know what tone they're going mm -hmm. for. And and he sets out to make a very specific kind of movie with the rundown. I love the cameo at the beginning from Arnold Schwarzenegger because at, there, there's a scuffle going in going at a nightclub. And as Schwarzenegger is walking out, Dwayne is walking in and he, they just kind of bump shoulders. And Schwarzenegger looks at him and he says, good luck in there. And that is sort of Schwarzenegger passing as the torch, torch. Yep. As, as he goes into his gubernatorial career yep. saying, hey, in there isn't just some nightclub or a brawl broke out. In there is Hollywood. In there is the competition for the next great action star. So as Arnold is walking off into the sunset from his glory days that may never be topped by another action actor. The Rock is going in there. And so, Jay, I kind of look at the rundown as The Rock's last season in the minor leagues where he's proving himself and he's just putting up insane AAA numbers. And you're like, this guy's ready for the show. Again, you have that, like you just said, you have that torch passing. You have that handoff from the action star in Arnold Schwarzenegger, the muscle guy in Schwarzenegger. Yes, you had Stallone try to mimic that in a sense but it never reached that same level of what Schwarzenegger was. And so this passing, you get, like Jacqueline said, you get this, Ella, it's not a bro-y movie. It's a level, it's it's different type of theme movie. Mm -hmm. It's not this bro-y movie everything else becomes, but it's something different. And then it's like, okay, this dude is real. This dude is really in movies now. This, this is no longer, we were still calling him The Rock for a little bit, but it's yep. like, this is Dwayne Johnson now. Yeah. Now we're seeing Dwayne Johnson. That's what we got out of that. I will say that, too, I want to add to this one on that one. Um, the Mark Hoffmeyer gave us the great story of how that cameo came to be. Yeah. And it was while Arnold was governor. He was actually having a lunch at the Universal lot, which is just minutes away from the neighborhood where we all live. And like he was just on set one day and the president of Universal at the time was having lunch with him. He's like, hey, we're filming this movie with The Rock. 
Uh, you want to come take a look at it? Uh, it was the, I would say the interiors, obviously, in like nightclub scene. They were filming on the lot. They filmed the rest of the movie in uh, Hawaii. But yeah, they did the movie and and Arnold was like, yeah, if you can do it today, give me in hair and makeup and let me do it. They shot it that afternoon. And I just think that's so cool that you you could move that quickly. And the cameo was so perfect. And the timing of it was so perfect because you could only get Arnold Schwarzenegger to do that cameo like that while he was governor as a favor. And, and it was just one of those days where the the Hollywood gods smiled upon the movie, the rundown. I put that cameo on a par with like, <laughs> this is going to be a deep cut. David Letterman and Cabin Boy. Anybody oh remember it? Oh my God. Cabin YouTube, Boy. David Letterman, Cabin Boy. <laughs> and- That's Chris Elliott, right? <laughs> yep. Wow, I haven't thought that. You know what was weird? That was in the SNL comedy movie heyday, which we don't get anymore at all. But it was mm-hmm. like it was like Cabin Boy. It was like a they, they were after their SNL movie, so it was like the Polly Shore era, Jury Duty. Yeah. Uh, co- you know what I mean? Like like, but after the SNL movie, it seemed like yeah. all of them did these like one-off comedies that weren't necessarily SNL characters, but they had solidified themselves as so action stars. So I married stars. an axe murderer. Yeah. Thank you. Exactly mm-hmm. like that. Even to a certain extent, Jim Carrey in Once Bitten, that was the In Living Color version of that yeah, for right. him. Yes, you know what was. I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I just, it's so interesting now to think about those movies because we don't have those. I mean, I guess King of Staten Island was the closest we've gotten to that recently, right? Pop star? Pop star. But that wasn't... That wasn't, wasn't an SNL, SNL directly. Yeah, you're right. It, yeah, but what's it was really interesting, close. YouTube has killed that because now they have all these little SNL skits all the time. The idea of like extending it for a movie, now they just want more of less. Well, I'll tell you what you can't do on YouTube. You can't put out a movie like Red Notice because that could mm-hmm. only be a monster Netflix production all, with a I gotta huge give this man budget. I got to applause for the segue. I got to give a Good segue, good segue. Ryan yeah. Reynolds, and of course, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, directed by Ross and Marshall Thurber, who has been in the gym. Him and his, him and his wife took like this, uh, this fitness challenge, and they're both just like, they look like fitness models now when they're not working on big time movies. I think that Red Notice, when it was announced and it came out and it, was, and it came direct to Netflix, like that was always the idea. I think it gave a lot of people pause as to where the industry is going because they're like, wait, we can put the biggest blockbusters with the biggest movie stars direct to Netflix. What's going to happen to movie theaters? And I feel like that was the movie that just caused a big ripple. It was like a uh, the the time and space continuum of what Hollywood has been forever sort of felt a seismic shift. The tectonic plates moved a little bit for Hollywood, but just the movie itself, I really enjoyed the pace of it, the comedy of it. I think Ryan Reynolds might steal the whole movie, but they all shine individually as they range from thieves to uh, FBI uh, profilers who are catching thieves and they're all looking for these mysterious eggs that have ancient Egyptian lore attached to them and there's three eggs and we're running around looking for them and I have no idea why the movie's as low as 36% because to me it feels every bit as fun as a national treasure movie. It's not to the level of Indiana Jones but what is and it also felt like the the action and the over the topness of it felt like anything that you would see in Fast Five or Fast Six or Fast Seven and the critics seem to appreciate those for whatever reason, but not Red Notice. Am I way off base here, Jay? Is Red Notice a terrible movie that I'm just, I have blinders on for some reason? I don't think it's a terrible movie. I enjoyed it. I will openly admit I enjoyed Red Notice. I also will say this. Look, let me just be honest. Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, however you pronounce it, pardon my love, uh, plays the same person in every single movie. (laughs) 
She's the same person. If you talk about certain people in every, she was the exact, she, she basically was Princess Diana without her Wonder Woman gear on at a point. You know what I'm saying? And Ryan Reynolds is going to be Ryan Reynolds. You could say that for Ryan Reynolds, too, I was going to say. I was about to say, yeah. You just know, but you know that's what you're going to get with Ryan. It's never an expectation of anything else with Ryan Reynolds. I think that's the thing. With Gal Gadot, you know, you want to see a different range of a character. You just said it with a Dwayne Johnson. With a Ryan Reynolds, we come to understand there's going to be Ryan just being Ryan just with a character name. Like, that's what this is. But then Red Notice, it, it moved a lot. There were a lot of pieces. I was like, okay, so what's really going on? And then when you find out the whole double and triple cross, you're like, wait, what? So I liked it. I don't know. I definitely liked it. Don't get me wrong. So I don't want nobody thinking, he didn't like the movie. I did. I did. A lot of twists and turns. And Jacqueline, as you know, because we've seen a lot of movies together, I am an absolute idiot when it comes to seeing a plot twist coming i never see anything i never find out who the killer is until five minutes after it's been revealed but i really liked all of the twists and turns this movie takes you through and i thought the action was fun um i have my little qualms about how we're basically all three of us are are killing police officers around the world and we don't really feel bad about it even though it was we were working with them but you know if you have the problem with that in movies then you're gonna you're gonna have a problem with a lot of movies so how does Jacqueline Coley feel about my one of my favorite Dwayne the Rock Johnson movies Red Notice um okay so this is what I would tell you I haven't seen it ah <laughs> wait, didn't even want to watch wait. it <laughs> she said this beautiful preamble well let's Wow. And by the way, though, I want to be very clear. It came out during award season. You know that I wasn't going to see that, Mark. I saw I knew that you were selecting that because you told me on the phone. But I literally said to you, I was like, I'm not doing that. And I but didn't you know. At least, even in the heat of award season, you at least can acknowledge that when the movie dropped, People were like, is this the way that we're going to be watching movies here to yes, our theaters very done? True. Like it was it was a weird it was a weird jump to make for me anyway. Well, this is what's weird for me about Red Notice, because that's what I was just about to say is I'm not going to disagree, but I didn't see it. But what is interesting about Red Notice is the amount of coverage and the life cycle of the coverage around what that movie meant, not just to Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but to Netflix. Mm -hmm. That is correct. And what's so interesting now, if we look at the grand scheme of things and I'm not whatever, you could honestly say Red Notice was Netflix's biggest and best effort. They got literally three of the biggest movie stars on the planet. Deadpool, Black Adam, and Wonder Woman. Come on. That is huge. And Green Lantern and, you know, the Spider King and whatever else Gal Gadot has played. And they still, I honestly think in a year from now, people won't remember they did a movie together. The disposability of how big that movie is is the thing that scares me, considering how many stars are in it. Yeah, it, it did feel very disposable. It, you know, Jay, it almost felt like a a more, I don't know, rundown version, uh, not to borrow Jackwood's movie, of an Ocean's Eleven type film where let's just get a bunch of famous people and let's have a heist and let's have a lot of laughs on set and see if that translates over. And I think it did translate over. But but like, like you said, it's pretty much uh, Gal and Ryan and Dwayne being themselves. But uh, Ryan Reynolds is, is, is playing Deadpool in this. He's playing Wade Wilson, but yes. I really had fun with it. But like Jacqueline just said, the, the, it was that, is this what movies is? Okay, 
because we were in, <laughs> we were still we were still we were in the heat still of COVID. People were needing things to do. Theaters weren't a really a big thing yet again. You know, people were still like, "Uh, they're open, but I don't know if I want to go." But this is on Netflix, so let's do it. You already had other movies like Extraction, Six Underground, The Old Guard, money movies that Netflix is putting money in right already, yeah. but it didn't hit the reach it hit until it did Red Notice, and they were like, "Wait." Netflix is making Marvel Studios level money movies. And the problem is people are like, well, how will they recoup this? What is going to be the metrics to gauge this off of? Because, of course, with movies and theaters, well, what's the domestic? What's the worldwide? What's the international gross? All these things. <laughs> you just like, how many streams did they get? That's literally it. And we don't know. It, it, Netflix we'll numbers. Know. <laughs> it, it, you have to be in the skulls to get the Netflix numbers. And, <laughs> Wait, and, no, no, I am not going to pass by that Joshua Jackson late '90s poll. No, sir. Did you just say the skulls? I'm feeling it. I'm, Paul I'm Walker, feeling it today. You're in I'm feeling segways. I'm feeling Dawson's Creek star movies. I look it, when your Twitter gets hacked, you're forced to Paul think Walker in new movie. ways. A Paul Walker movie too, there man. You, you were keeping it like Fast and the Furious, like all in there. Synergy, baby. Four. That's quadrants. what I, I just want consistency from from everything, and that includes our good friend, the Tomato Meter. Is it if you're just going to gush and make every Fast and Furious movie fresh? My question is, what are those movies doing that Red Notice didn't do? Because all of the Fast and Furiouses, maybe with the exception of Five, they all feel like the same long movie to me. And Red Notice, at least by the end of it, it's trying to set itself up to be a franchise like that. I don't know what Jay would say, but I would just say, like, Red Notice was a movie made by committee in the middle of a pandemic that got shut down twice. So I don't know if that's the same as, like... Look at the end of it. Look at the end of the movie. You could tell it was shot. They was like, hey, everybody socially distanced for real when you yeah. walk past each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they just got happy to get to the finish line of that one. Because any movie that big, those schedules are two yeah. years out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's too many things going on. And so any delay for any reasons is really hard to maintain that you keep everyone. There's so many instances of movies where, you know, Sterling K. Brown drops out of the heart of they fall because they had to move the date. You know what I mean? So I actually think that, yeah, I, I don't know, because you look at a film that would be under the similar setting as something like Red Notice and you're like, yeah, the reason why they do better is because they're in theaters and they can eventize them. They can become part of the landscape that can build you up to a billion dollar franchise. And Netflix movies just don't have that formula. I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, Red Notice was a leap forward as far as Netflix doing that stuff. But according to their their numbers or their stock or whatever, Netflix is has been in the red for, you know, ever since they stopped mailing out DVDs. And so somehow they keep finding money to make more of these projects and the cycle continues. But when we look at these three movies, let's expand it to something like Jay's other selection, Be Cool, because that was very early on in Dwayne Johnson's career, and it acted as a very loose sequel to Get Shorty or in the same vibe of it. So, Jay, why is Be Cool so underappreciated by everyone? I remember I got introduced to this movie because of him being on Punked, because of the Ashton Kutcher stunt where he thought he burnt up the uh, traditional guard form because he was using it for the scene. <laughs> I remember that. And then I, saw, I was like, let me see this movie. And so watching it, auto automatically you get John Travolta, Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, you got all the normal people in, in certain big movies, but then you got Dwayne Johnson as a giant bodyguard that you find out is gay. And it's like, again, that's a different step for him to play. 
and to link not not to go over the top you know flamboyant gay it's just like this is who i am and i want to be in movies and things like that i'm trying to find my way in and they have his best friend in vince vaughn who backstabs him only to end up getting redeemed and getting a chance to be on a billboard with Nicole Kidman and dancing <laughs> at the VMAs with Christina Milian. Like, you can't, it's, look, Be Cool is a giant music video that you're waiting to have the video happen. Like, it's a long preamble to a music video. And then you're like, oh, there's more to the video? Okay, cool. That's what Be Cool is. That's why I like it. I don't, I don't care what nobody's saying around here. I don't. It, yeah, Jacqueline, that was a theater experience for me because a bunch of my friends, like Jay, are huge wrestling honks, and so they wanted to go see The Rock, and I knew that Steven Tyler, the lead singer of Aerosmith, was in the movie, and I think that we all enjoyed the first Get Shorty, and so we're like, yeah, okay, we'll all go see this movie. You have any strong feelings on Be Cool one way or the other? Yeah, I really loved Get Shorty. I really love Ellard Fillmore, and they had announced stuff about that movie early that made me be like, this is not the one for me <laughs> just because uh uh you know what i mean like yeah it's just yeah it was not it's not the movie for me because like look like rum you know rum punch is one of my all-time favorite movies that's the one that became jackie brown and you know, mm-hmm. I really love Get Shorty and I've read a lot of his books and I knew that when I was like, I just, I love Lucky Palma. I loved all of his books. It'd be like if I heard somebody was adopting adopting a Jackie Collins book and I heard something about it that I didn't like, I'd be like, I'm not going to watch this. So I know I saw Be Cool, but I wasn't about it. Was that was that Uma too in that one or no? Yes, that, it is. That's yeah, Uma. that's Uma in that one. That's yeah, Uma I that. was not about it. And in fact, I think she was the part I enjoyed the most about that movie. The best part about either one of those movies, Get Shorty or Be Cool, though, is Danny DeVito being a giant movie star who's playing Napoleon, and it's going to be yeah. like the biggest movie. That's pretty, pretty yeah. fantastic. When they, when you see the billboard for Napoleon, it's one of my favorite parts, one of my favorite aspects of Get Shorty. So as we look at the the entire filmography here, does anything else stand out as far as like really being, I guess, egregiously wrong? Because the rest of his tomato meter scores look pretty, pretty accurate. Like the other guys where he has an extended cameo, I'd call it in, is 78%. That movie's hilarious. And he's a big reason why in the first act. Fast Five, 77%. The Jumanjis are both fresh. And then you get to the, the middling movies like Snitch. Like I said, it wasn't great, but it was a new step for him. It's almost fresh at 57%. Get Smart had a lot of laughs, but not a great film, 51%. Like, I'm I'm pretty cool with all of these. Do y'all have any other discrepancies that you're like, wait, why, why is nobody <laughs> picketing? Why is nobody protesting this? I always want to know what my, my, my theory, my guideline, my benchmark for Dwayne Johnson's movies <laughs> is, what is The Rock going to fight next? And what I mean by that, he's fought gangs in Gridiron Gang. He fought an earthquake in San Andreas. He fought a giant alligator and a flying wolf in Rampage. He fought with <laughs> families and fight with my family. You know what I'm saying? He fought with, with, with Moana and Moana. Like, what is he going to fight with next? He fights with Kevin Hart in every movie. So it's like, what is The Rock going to fight with next? That's for me. The man fought and- an earthquake. He fought also Skyscraper. The man fought a burning building with one leg. Yes, he one did. leg. He did yes, a he leap. He did a leap that they had to do on MythBusters to show physically it could never happen. The jump he does <laughs> off the crane. They said there's no way he could have made that with two legs. Let him look. He holds a bridge up, y'all. He holds a bridge up so Nev Campbell can walk across it. Okay, what else is this man going to do? 
I just I, I love that that Jay actually had to sit down and watch Mythbusters because like there was still a kernel of hope that he could make that <laughs> jump at some point. And Jay's like, I'm not I'm gonna let Mythbusters have the final word on they this because I think did. it could happen. They did the John Madden telestrate. It was like if you see this curve right here and this <laughs> mm -hmm. 45 degree angle, he'd have never made it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you forgot the, the biggest feat of The Rock's uh, career, though, Jay, is uh, he also defeated Marines on Mars when he went rogue in the classic Doom. Don't do that. that is we, act, we act like Doom never happened because 18%. that's when everybody was like, video game movies are dead once he did Doom. <laughs> <laughs> he played Sarge Poor in that thing, beloved man. classic. Great so, memes, though. Great memes from that movie. Great memes from Doom. Yes, and indeed. So my final question, my my last thought here uh, as we close up the movie talk portion of the episode, what do you want to see Dwayne Johnson do next? What's the next movie? Start with you, Jacqueline. Is it is it a sequel to something we've already gotten? Is it just a different genre for him? Where do you want to see The Rock go? If you're going to the movie theater and you're walking in to see a new Dwayne Johnson movie, what do you want it to look like? I mean, I want to see him work with more female writers and script writers, honestly. Like, Dwayne The Walk Johnson has a great opportunity. He's shown his chemistry with Emily Blunt, and it looks like they're doing another movie with her soon, I think. Maybe. We'll see. But I think that's where he needs to expand. Because if he's really going to keep himself carried, he, it, this is what I see happening to him. He's got to make a turn now, otherwise it's going to be Mark Wahlberg. Which is that Mark Wahlberg still wants to do action movies, but Mark mm -hmm. Wahlberg can't play... Nathan Drake anymore. He has to play Nathan Drake's older brother. And I'm not really sure that really makes Mark Wahlberg, you know what I mean? Like not even his older brother. He has to play like his like, like drunken father figure. I don't know if that makes Mark Wahlberg happy. I think Mark Wahlberg likes being the scary guy in the room kind of thing, kind of dude. Like he likes to play the Bruce Willis role. And so I don't know. I just don't know if how many roles there are like that left in modern uh, movie making. And so you've got to make the turn. And so he's got to make a change. Is it rom-coms? Is it looking to do more horror? I don't know. Like Liam Neeson made a turn and turned himself into an action hero, but he kept doing it. And now we see where he's at. Yeah, Jay, where does The Rock go from here? It's an interesting point Jacqueline brings up is, is working with a different perspective behind the camera because it can lead to more fruit in a different genre on screen. Yeah, not not an action type, you know, I want him to work with more female directors for sure to be able to tell, look, we need to see something different. And, and I don't give a damn how big you are, put him, let's see a real dramatic role where he has to get really emotional. And the only fights he has to have is with himself or something mentally and emotionally. We are always gonna expect to see him get physical because it's just like, well, people wanna see Dwayne Johnson get physical. Yeah. People wanna see something different. The only fight he should have is an emotional fight, a mental fight, and then put it with a female director who can pull that out of him. Because again, all of the guys he's had directing him are like, all right, so here's the scene where you're going to punch this dude through the wall. All right. And it's every director has that at one point. You're going to punch this dude and he's going to fly back 57 feet. We know logically it's not supposed to happen, but he's going to be on wire. So don't worry. So I want to see him do that. <laughs> All right, this this sounds like your two execs at his agency trying to expand his... I want to see him do action, okay? The guy is a hulk of a human. That My, my short answer to the question I asked, I want to see Red Notice 2 and 3 and 4 <laughs> and 5. That's what I want to see The Rock do. I, I don't want to see... self-serving. The, the, the guy's not John Cusack. I don't want to be sitting on a park bench with Diane Lane talking about dogs. Why I want don't to see you? him kissing in the rain because we... They, there's, uh, Matthew there's other McConaughey... People that, used rom-coms to get him from action 
to get him he used rom-coms yeah. to get him from dramatic pretty boy to rom-coms to eventually get him into dramatic this is and the deal oscar glory okay and then now right. oscar glory if you're gonna make the shift you need baby steps and in all honesty i think he thinks he's gonna make the baby steps with the mcu which he could Robert Downey Jr. could definitely walk into a really great slate of Wait, dramatic Wait, where is he roles. going in with the MCU? Hold on, turn around. Oh, no, yeah, the, the, the DC movie with, uh, with, yeah. with Black Adam. Like, like, oh, I think you it said was, MCU. Oh, I was I like, said MCU. what Sorry, I said DCEU. <laughs> Sorry, DCEU. Sorry, DC fans. You can continue to come for me in my DMs. Uh, no, but with Black Adam... <laughs> Just knowing the story of how that character is in the comics, and definitely he deals with, Mm -hmm. that's not a very fluffy character, if you know a lot of the history around that one. I think that's his baby step. We'll see where he goes after that. But I also know he's doing a romantic comedy with Emily Blunt. So I think this idea that I have in my head, it seems that the president and founder of Five Books Production Companies also (laughs) has that thought. Like he knows, like you only have so many years as a glorified action star. And then you can either just keep being an action star and staying in that genre and probably not moving past that, or you could diversify. I agree. I mean, you know, Tom Cruise, he's still in action movies, but he also diversified his career somewhat. Harrison Ford, same thing, you know? And he's the only one that can really do that because Tom Cruise can still make Maverick. But like, think about it. When Tom Cruise makes a movie now, it's like, it's like, imagine if it was Fast and the Furious, if Vin Diesel put as much effort into it as Ryan Reynolds did with Deadpool. Like, that's really what Tom does with with his films now. Like, he's involved from the minute they start the script through the thing. He's the producer on all of them. That's a totally different gig than just being like, I'm going to go do another action film. Yeah, I mean, The Rock could also retire right now with tequila sales alone. So I I think he's doing just... Look, Termon is not the best tequila, though. It's okay. But it's... uh, Doesn't matter. It's making money. He's minted. Minted. speaking of Red Notice... Both him and Ryan Riddles made sure to have the perfect product placement for both Terramana and Aviation Gin in that movie. They yeah, were in the right. contracts, I guarantee you, before <laughs> either one of them signed on. My gin is going to be in my shit. Which, by the way, I will say this. Of the two, I will do a gin. So I will have my own liquor label. I'll put it out on this podcast so y'all can yell at me for years. But I am going to have my own liquor label. And it is going to be gin. And it's going to be elderflower-based. Because that's all I like to drink. I, I saw Jacqueline have an elderflower cocktail the other night, and uh, it looked delicious. I'm going to hold out for Gal Gadot uh, sponsoring Coors Light. All right, <laughs> that is all for movie talk. So now we're going to transition right into Mailbag Brian. Hit that music. Wonder Woman and Coors Light. It's the it's it's a match made in heaven or maybe Temescura. Uh, our email today is from our esteemed Ketchup Crew member. Cole, you can be like Cole and email us anytime with movie suggestions, what you want to hear on an upcoming episode of Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Just email us at rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com. Cole says, hi, gang. Love the podcast. I'm writing to recommend the 2000s sci-fi horror film Pitch Black. I'm biased since I'm a sci-fi fanatic, but I think this stylized creature feature is beautifully shot and great fun, and I think it's worthy of a better score than its current 59% 59% rotten. I'd love to know what you all think. Thanks, Cole. Yeah, I have not seen Pitch Black, but I hear good things. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Riddick or The Chronicles of Riddick, whatever the most recent one was. And I feel like 59%, there's so many good movies. Spaceballs is the one I always point to that are stuck at that 59% just south of Freshville. So, did we'll we do Pitch at- Black? But we've not done Pitch Black yet. No, we, we have, have not. We have not done Pitch Black yet? Then I must have seen it for something recently. 
thank God we have fans like Cole who are writing us and telling us what movies we need to cover and really, for me, watch for the first time. Jay, it's always an honor when we get to spend some time with you. I imagine you're heading to the gym later. How many pieces of The Rock's gym attire collection do you own? Not none, because I don't They're have They're a little money. pricey. Yeah, pricey, because I don't own yeah. any. So, if Dwayne, if you happen to be listening to this and someone says, hey, at The Rock, you know, Mr. J. Washington was like, yo, he wants to wear some Project Rock gear, but he can't afford it because he's just a single black father living in a studio apartment trying to make it. You can send them all my way and the Rotten Tomatoes folks will make sure that I get it in a, in a 3X <laughs> size, preferably at the top because my shoulders and chest are kind of broad and some shorts. And, you know, I would like to smell what The Rock is cooking while I'm lifting. Thank you very much. It looks great, but you have to be at a certain level of musculature to really pull it off. And I feel like I'm just now knocking on the door of that, Jay. So when you see me next time in person, I just want you to give me the once over and and let me know if I'm ready to wear one of those $80 tank tops. Now you see exactly why we say this, Jacqueline. $80 tank top. Mm -mm. They look good, though. They really they do. do look you know they definitely do. Um, I, I am guarantee very excited. you they're not going to look as good as the $80 would elsewhere. But that's me. <laughs> You That's know what I'm going to do? You know it's a lot cheaper than $80, and it's something that I'm going to be attending, and I think a lot of folks out there listening should, is right here in Southern California, Jay and Winston Marshall, Words in the Hood, are having a live show at the Bourbon Room in Hollywood honoring Juneteenth. Jay, tell us about that and all the other cool stuff you got going on. Yes, indeed. Saturday, June 18th at the Bourbon Room in Los Angeles. We're doing a first ever live taping of Blurreds in the Hood, like Mark said, me and Winston A. Marshall. And we're doing a comedy show with myself, Winston A. Marshall host. Mark Ellis is going to be gracing us with his hilarious chuckles, and we got a couple oh, other special, special guests coming aboard. Uh, you can get the tickets at shptickets.com, shptickets.com. Com, and you can catch Blurs in the Hood every Tuesday and Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Blurs in the Hood, B-L-E-R-D-S, the letter N-T-H-E-H-O-O-D. And for me, the Mad Titan podcast, everywhere you get your podcast from. I talk about all the things in the Marvel and DC live action cinematic universes. It is Barbershop, for nerd, barbershop Talk for Nerds. Come on in this convo. And y'all can find out where I'm at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and all this stuff because I've been using TikTok because I have to use TikTok now. Yeah, Everybody well, it must be to nice to uh, must be nice to be on Twitter, Jay. It must be nice. It sounds like a good time. Don't buy PlayStations for me, guys. I'm not selling them. I mean, look, let's get out of here so Mark can hopefully see if he got his Twitter back because I, I, I mean, really feel him going through it a big. I'm gonna, gonna eat, hey, <laughs> I, I, I played Wii Golf and took naps yesterday. I'm doing just fine. We need more hook videos from y'all. Everybody listening out there, if you feel strongly about the Steven Spielberg movie from the early 90s, some consider it a classic. I certainly don't. It's one of his few rotten movies on his resume. Send in a quick vid. Email us at rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com with your take on hook. Until then, next week. It's a big one, Jacqueline, because I brought up a Netflix movie, and now we have a Netflix show that we're going to be talking about in depth, Stranger Things. I was going to tell you, but I was waiting for you to stop. <laughs> I was, I gave you, have you been, have you been sipping on the elderflower this morning? No, I was waiting for you to stop. I was waiting some, for you to stop. I you was have like, some elderflower in your cornflakes, Jacqueline? Is that what you do on vacation? Hmm? No, I was actually waiting for you to stop because I have a good stranger thing joke because I'm also going to be doing the junket, which is pretty dope. Oh, cool. For, uh, yeah. yeah, season four is coming out. All right. So yeah, Jacqueline, season four is coming what, out. Yeah. What are we talking about next week? I mean, we are going to be talking about Stranger Things. We're going to be talking about, you know, Hawkins, whatever is it? What's it called? Hawkins, Indiana? Is it Hawkins? Hawkins, yeah. Jay, don't even, sir. I, I watched Blurds in the Hood. You and Winston, I've seen both of y'all enjoying that you live in a California. 
Yes, they've had some cocktails and some other herbal other remedies things. on that show. Other Listen. things. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I'm looking at the show. I'm like, neither one of these Negroes is sober. And I'm saying that with love. <laughs> I don't know what video I clicked, but I literally was like, they're so high. The roof is looking down. It was thanks oh, to the fans. Good. I mean, sorry, no, they're looking all. down at the roof. Sorry, it reverse was, that. It was, let me tell you something. It was thanks to the fans, the lovely members of the neighborhood. We didn't mm-hmm. do that on our own. We were just peer pressured. And I'm going to stick by that story. I sure. remember I like I remember this because people were like, you need to see this. Like, look at these. They are a mess and a half. It <laughs> Sounds a good like there's going to be a whole lot of fun to be had on June 18th. Make sure yeah. y'all get those tickets at shptickets.com. Uh, that is Jay Washington. That is Jacqueline Coley. I am Mark Ellis. For Producer Lucy, our expert engineer, Brian Perez, Tim Ryan, and the whole gang here at Rotten Tomatoes. Thanks for listening. Until next time, do not buy a video game system from this guy. We'll see you next time on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.